0: I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And we like to do this once a month, share with you what we're watching, reading, and listening to, and then we always have some sort of discussion about all the great or not-so-great media that we're consuming on a regular basis. (laughs) Hi, Marjorie.
1: Hey, lady. (laughs) Yeah, not-so-great. Although mostly this month, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm pretty proud of myself. Uh, Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm watching Loki on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I haven't watched this yet. Even though I'm not fully part of the Marvel universe, I have a husband that is. And what I like about Loki is that you don't really have to keep all the Marvel characters straight. I mean, this is the Iron Man. Oh, gosh, who else is Thor? This is that franchise? (laughs) It's the Avengers? Franchise, which I have seen a lot of the movies, but I don't really commit it to my brain. So, But Loki, Tom Hiddleston, I think is the star, but I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And he is charming. I mean, he's just absolutely charming. And in the Marvel Universe, he's an evil character. And this series is all about Loki – I mean, you could go into a much deeper discussion about what this actually means and what sort of character or human analysis this is, which I will spare all of you. But <laughs> if you're a total Marvel nerd, there would be tons to discuss. And I actually saw a hashtag in an, a different article that I was reading that said hashtag dangerous timeline or black timeline or dark timeline. And it's, that's a reference back to Loki. And so it's interesting how it's just already sort of infiltrated how we talk and how we view things. So if you haven't watched it, you'll get references that you might not get because they're already making it into mainstream culture.
0: That happened to me when I started watching the Star Wars movies. I had only seen Return of the Jedi when I was like, oh, wow. 10. And that was all I'd seen. I'd never seen any of the Star Wars. I didn't get it. I mean, I knew, like, who Chewbacca was, and I remember seeing that one movie, but it didn't have any impact on me. And then... We started watching the movies with the kids. Right. And we started, we went like one, two, three, four. So we didn't watch like the original ones first and then go back. We, we started it like at the beginning of the story. And it was so fun. And I realized like <laughs> there are so many cultural references that yeah. I, Have not really understood, and I've sort of, like, been smiling and nodding my way through a lot of my life, and now I don't have to. Now I really get it.
1: Isn't that funny? That's kind of how I felt with the um, Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian, also on Disney+. Plus. I
0: loved it.
1: And everybody, Baby Yoda was such a big deal, and I don't think that's the character's name, but it sort of became known as Baby Yoda. It's Grogu thank you and it just was so funny he's like okay I get it now I get it because I watched the I Mandalorian know. this month too and and I have to you know I have to say for if I were what I have loved what I loved about Mandalorian and Loki is this would have been something I would have been I mean I liked them I didn't love them but I would have loved them when my boys were like eight and ten for sure it would have been so great to sit and watch it with them because I know they would have passionately loved it, and it would have been really fun to share it with them. So, I mean, I I really think Disney Plus is doing a great job in providing that sort of young adult entertainment that bleeds over to a – it's just well done, and so it's enjoyable sort of no matter what age you are, which I think
0: is hard to do. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Okay, I've got two things that I am watching and that I caught up on. I hadn't seen any of Bridgerton. (laughs) Have you watched Bridgerton? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I hadn't seen any of it. And then I just decided I just was getting to this heaviness point again in life where I just needed to watch something. Oh, yeah. I listen to like a lot of intense podcasts yeah. that are just really talking a lot about sort of the state of the world and all sorts of things. And so I just wanted to watch something that was totally just entertaining. And you mean, like, you mean soft porn? Yeah, it, I don't know. I, I it was really funny because you know what's funny? I'd heard so much about like so much of the sex stuff. It is definitely, but I think because it, it people had built it up as being so like pornographic to right, me. Right. I thought that it was going to be more than it was kind sure, of. Sure. I don't know. I was it's, just sort of like, Oh, I guess this wasn't as like porn centric as I thought it would be. It's really not. It just, I hadn't heard anything about that.
1: So I had the opposite reaction, that it surprised me when it started happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, I guess and, that's true. And
1: two, I was living alone in Tempe, watching it on my iPad, like, in a dark room. And I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, this is getting really weird.
0: So This yeah. is getting weird. You know, what? what's funny about it, though, is because, you know, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's from Shondaland, and it's on Netflix. And the second season is coming out in March. So it's kind of oh. fun to, like, watch the first season now and then get ready for the second season to come out. And it's definitely, like, I mean, it's... It's not on network television, so it's, like, so, so sexy. But the fascinating thing is because it's set in, like, the 1800s or whatever, 1700s. I don't know. I don't know. All of those centuries run together in my mind. And it doesn't really matter. It's an old-timey century. There you go. (laughs) But the women just know absolutely nothing about... Sex, Like these ones that are all – that are like these debutantes and presented to society and they're trying to find this right match and it's going to like benefit the family and this whole thing. When you are in this society where you're meant to be a proper wife, you literally know nothing. Like it's just so unbelievable to have this character on her wedding day not know how – not not know where babies come from. Can you like imagine? not know what's going to happen. In order to try to have a baby and like to not understand it's So that was what I found that even more shocking than the sex stuff. <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, it's like, geez,
1: think back to when you, I mean, I learned about it in school. When you learn how all of that works.
0: I know. It is shocking. It's like the weirdest thing ever. It's weird unless you introduce it in little bits and pieces, (laughs) which is what I've been doing in our household because of our conversations with Heidi from Beyond the Birds and the Bees. Like we've done a couple of podcast episodes with her and they impacted me so much. I mean, honestly, I kid you not, in the kitchen the other day. Bernie said to me, and I'm just going to tell you what she said, and she's seven, and she said to me, Mama, I know why it hurts so much to have a baby. And I said, why? And she said, because your vagina hole is so small, and the baby <laughs> is big. I mean, that is what she Amen, said. sister! And I was like, and you know what I thought was, oh my gosh... This is so great. Like I thought Heidi would be so proud of yes. me because the conversations that we've had surrounding it, because she's in that like gatherer era of her childhood where when she asks questions, I just answer that question and that's it. But I did say, I said, yeah, but do you know what's so amazing about mama bodies and baby bodies is that I was like, I said, you know, you're, it, I, I don't know if I said vagina cause I don't think it technically, whatever, anywho, right. it's your cervix, that's dilating, whatever gets bigger. When your body is in labor, your body knows that the baby needs to come out. And so it does this amazing thing. And I was like, and then the baby's head kind of squishes, you know? And so we're like talking about how amazing that is without this like weird thing. And I'm thinking, I am never going to be in this situation where I have to like drop this bomb on my kids of like, holy hell, what goes on? Because I'm giving them bits of age appropriate information all along the way, and then they're not going to be like the Bridgerton ladies who like didn't even know anything about what they're doing the night before they get married, and then they're like traumatized. Anyway, that's yeah. that. Well,
1: Elizabeth, honestly, when was the? How old were you when you understood what sex actually was? in And oh, I was like babies? in.
0: It was like it had to be like fifth grade. Me too. I think we had a thing in school which right. was mainly focused on your period. And they like give you all like the Tampax propaganda to try to get you hooked on their products. You know, don't ever think that these school, don't ever think these companies are donating their products to schools out of the goodness of their heart. They're trying to get you hooked on their brand. For life, telling you. And then, and then I remember my parents handing me a book that said, "Where do babies come from?" And it was like cartoon illustrations, Right, right. And then they they handed it to me and they just said, like, read Read. this book and let us know if you have any questions, which I love my parents so much. They were amazing parents. That's the worst sex talk ever. It is the worst sex talk (laughs) really possible. At this point, when
1: the book is passed off to you, are you really going to have questions? Do you really want to have that conversation with your parents? But I would say for me, too, it was fifth grade and I went to a Catholic school. Um, They separated the boys from the girls and we separately had becoming a person which was our sex ed class. That was the name of yeah. the book. And they would separate us. And then I got to say, like, when they would put the class
0: back together, super awkward. Because you're not <laughs> looking at the like the, the boys like, wow, this is no. weird. So, yeah. yeah. so And that's the first, and I get why they do that. I mean, I certainly, I don't think the intention behind that separation was like this terrible thing. No, 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 no. But it is an indication that, like... There's a disconnect, that there are secrets that you should only keep within women. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think there's got to be, like, a different way. Maybe if it was, like, break up into smaller groups so that well, you have, discovered, like—
1: Well, you've discovered the different way, which yeah. is to filter the information when it's—not filtered, but to address the information when your little gatherer has a question. I mean, I think yeah. it's remarkable that a 6- or 7-year-old is—especially a girl—is aware that her body's going to make a baby— and is already thinking about wow, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and I think it's been helpful because guys. she's old. You know, she was older when Heathcliff was born, and then my sister's about right. to have a baby. Right. So like, so they're when you have those conversations, like it happens. Yeah. Um, I'm also watching the Sex in the City reboot, and just like that, and it mm. is like covering a lot of ground. I know people like really have that reaction that you just had, Marjorie. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm just sort of enjoying turning on an episode and just sort of letting it pass me by and then moving on to the next one.
1: Okay. That's the best description, and I will 100% agree with that. Good. My reaction is ooh is because it's – my feelings about it are complicated. But yeah. if I just look at the – like the just the, the gloss of it, you, you said it perfectly. I just turn it on and let it pass me by, and it's kind of – um it's nice to see them again. It's nice to see them again, and it's nice to see them addressing the age issue and all of those things. It's nice to see them again, and and to the Bridgerton, it, honestly, I really enjoyed it. It's just fun. It's, it's fun. fun. It's fun. And Chanda Rhimes is a genius. I mean, she just is in 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 creating these things that have that just can take you away, and Bridgerton does. That's so how I feel. I think that's I a totally good choice. Agree. Okay, what are you reading? So, talking about being taken away, uh, so not. I'm reading a book called Red Comet The Short Life Ooh. and Blazing Art of Sylvia Plath. Oh, um, wow. Dark. Yeah, that's intense. So, before I went on the cruise, I Googled the top books of 2021 in the New York Times, and this was one of them. This is one of their picks for the top 10 of 2021, and it's a thousand pages. I'm halfway through it. Holy and
2: buckets, that's a commitment.
1: It is a commitment. And it was a commitment to do that on a ship where I was supposed to be on vacation to read a book about a woman <laughs> who killed herself at 30. So yeah. it's Weird. a tr-
0: Marjorie takes a really light, joyful vacation <laughs> experience and then just – Stabs a stake in the heart of it with an intense book about suicide and depression and misery. Okay. Welcome to the podcast. And welcome to me. (laughs)
1: Welcome to the conundrum that is me. Ah. So, so I would spend an hour every morning walking laps on top of the ship and I was listening to it on audible. I still don't know whether it's reading or listening. It's listening, but I consider it reading. So I think you,
0: I just fit it into whatever category feels right for that particular month. <laughs> I sort of fit
1: it into whatever category I need for this podcast. Exactly. That's it. So, no, but it's, um, I'm sort of, I wish I, on this one though, I wish I were reading it I think I would I wish I were reading it and I I didn't want to do it because obviously a 1000 page book to be carrying that around uh, would have been a pain but I right. wish I were reading this one so many books I love that I that I listen to them and we'll get to that in the listen category next I wish I were reading this one it is still a commitment it was like it's like 56 hours of audio, oh something like that. But the the thing about Sylvia Plath, if you've never, have you ever read any, have you ever read any of her poetry? No, nothing. Okay, okay, so she's best, for me, she was most well-known for the book, The Bell Jar. Right. Which is about, it's about a woman who's really grappling with her place in society. It's pretty, I wouldn't say it's autobiographical, but but she's pulling a lot from her own life. I mean, she was an early prodigy, Everybody knew she was brilliant. She went to Smith. She got a Fulbright to Cambridge. But it's a troubled existence. This book, though, if you're interested in, I think, feminist themes and how far we've come as women, this biography would be really interesting to you. I mean, I sort of ignored feminist studies in the 80s because I just didn't – it just didn't interest me, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I went to a a very feminist all-girl high school – I didn't feel limited. So like when yeah. all my – like I knew a lot of girls in college were studying like where our place was. I felt like I knew that. And it's just in retrospect that I'm really beginning to understand how I sort of shortchanged myself and not really looking at the history of that. And so this kind of does that and it's interesting for that. But it is very depressing. I will say Okay, that. Well, that's good to know. That's yeah. good to
0: yeah. really give us an understanding of where yeah. you're at. But it's sounds I also – listen, I have to say I like hearing from people when I say – Oh, I'm reading this or they say I'm listening to it on audible and here's why I like listening to it on audible. Right. I, I like that. Like I think that's great, which brings me to my uh, pick for a book, which I actually listened to on audible, even though I'm going to count it as what I'm reading. And it's the book Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reed. And I don't know if you've heard about this or heard about her at all. It, I posted that I read this book and All these people were like, oh, my gosh, Taylor Jenkins Reid is my favorite. You have to read the rest of her books. You're going to be so happy. So that made me really excited because I loved Daisy Jones and the Six. So it is a novel, and it's about this uh, 1970s rock group who's fictional, but you kind of think that it's real, and their lead singer. And and this book reveals the mystery behind their breakup. And what's cool about the audio version is that it is basically like – it's it's like an oral history. So each character, they have Benjamin Bratt voices one of the characters, Judy Greer vo- voices one of the characters. And so huh. they are literally like reading their little chapter because the book essentially, and you find out why it's an oral history in the book, but just has each like member of the band or the manager, people who are associated with the band, telling kind of their version of the stories. And it's so fascinating. And there's just like, I mean, it's the 70s, so it's like just tons of drugs, tons of sex, tons of just like irresponsible behavior, you know? And you're thinking like, what was going on in the 70s? Like, what... (laughs) Was happening? What was everybody (laughs) doing? Vietnam was going on. I know, but like, how were the rest of you even getting through the day if you were just like doing coke all day and then like drugs at night and then mixing in Quaaludes all the time? I just like don't understand it. It's so. I I have to say, fascinating.
1: To that point, this really intrigues me, and I think I I will listen to it because it sounds really fun, actually. But I've often thought about that. Like, we both sort of came up in journalism, and in the day, Elizabeth, like. There was so much drinking yes. and drugging yes. with journalists. This was before me, yeah. And I'm thinking, how did they ever get anything done? Oh, my gosh. Like, honestly, how do you how do you write drunk? Like, that's such a stupid statement because most I writers— I think you're I, probably I, a better writer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we should do the podcast once drunk and see if yeah, it's better. we should
0: do a buzzed podcast. that would be really fun
1: i don 't know that it would be better. I think there 'd be a lot of laughing actually, but oh, that sounds really good that would be
0: great yeah well, really don 't you think you have some of your best conversations when you 're a little bit buzzed um, I would say. <laughs> Daisy Jones and the six is totally worth it. It was just fun. I was like finding myself just like waiting for opportunities to turn it on. And I really oh. enjoyed I enjoyed the audiobook experience. Now I don't I didn't read it, so I don't have the comparison, but I right. loved the different voices. I right. loved like their expressions. I really enjoyed it. So I think that that it's worth it. So however you consume it, do it, and I'm ready to get into more Taylor Jenkins read books. That's wonderful. And this goes Oh, back- it's also sorry, it's gonna be turned into an Amazon Prime series by Reese Witherspoons for production company of so get ready for that god she's got good taste oh she's good you know she's just got like the golden
1: touch she truly does so back to listening when we went when we were fl- we flew out of kansas city so we live about two hours outside of kansas city so we had to drive up to to get our flight and i wanted ian to hear I'm a huge fan of David Sedaris and I've talked about David Sedaris and his books before and how much I enjoyed listening to them on Audible because he reads them and he's yeah. just got this wonderful voice and he's a performer by nature so it's just when he reads his own writing it's it's wonderful even though it can go either way with him I've read a lot of his stuff but I really I think I enjoy listening to him almost as much as reading him so on our way up to Kansas City I said, hey, Ian, do you want to just listen to this? And so we listened to The Best of Me on Audible. And it was so fun to listen to it with somebody because I'd listened to them by the, myself. And it was so fun to listen to it with Ian and sort of hear what made him laugh and laugh out loud. And so that's just sort of a fun thing. If you have a road trip coming up and you want to share it with somebody, I, I generally do everything so solitary. It was really fun to do it with Ian. And so oh, that's, that's just a good recommendation. It reminded me – of you telling me, and I don't know if you said this on the radio show if you've said it on the podcast that you and Jay like love to like watch Jim Gaff again and you like to do that together, yeah. and you forget yeah. how
0: great it is to like laugh together as a couple, so I know. it was fun oh that's really good okay that's yeah. a good one um okay last thing what i'm listening to, I was watching cBS their weekend morning show, and they do They have music on, like you know, they'll they'll they used to bring bands in studio, but now they kind of do it a weird way. Whatever. Anyway, they um and a lot of times I'm kind of like, this is not my jam. This is like sort of odd, but Mm -hmm. I they had this band on, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, Hmm. and I'd never heard of these guys, and I just loved it. And I've been listening to them nonstop. And then oh, I've been great. hearing from people who have been telling me that this is like their favorite cooking music because I've been <laughs> listening to it while I've been cooking yeah. and they're a Nashville based band. Oh, nice. Um, And they sort of have, I don't know, like a little bit of a country vibe, but you know what I'm into right now? Like when I talked about Maggie Rose, I'm like very into this kind of like country, but folksy kind of vibe. Right. I just like, like it. I feel like, Anything with, like, a little bit of country in it but not over the top is really what I'm, like, resonating with hmm. right now. So I love it. You know, it's like I loved Taylor Swift's last two albums with yeah. that sort of, like, folk thing going on. This is just, like, sort of a similar thing. And I guess his wife is is a singer, too, and so she sings on some of his stuff. And the music is just fantastic. Again, it's Drew Holcomb, like, H-O-L, comb, and then C-O-M-B, and The Neighbors. And everything about just like their logo and their look and just it's easy to listen to and it's interesting and I'm just loving it. So That's great. I think that you should check them out too. And you sort of I don't know, I've sort of had this like resurgence of of getting excited about like new artists that I'm into that I like discover and then I like listening to. And I think you forget you talked about how you kind of forget what it's like to consume things and laugh together. You sort of forget because we just have so much to consume. What it's like to just like be excited about one particular artist and just kind of you know dive into what they've put out there. So I'm I'm really into it. Well, I do think that's
1: something that as we age and as we get busier, you lose that that curiosity about new music and listening to new music and finding new music. And it's one of the things that I probably – one of the things that I miss about doing the radio show with you
0: Yeah, is that was we used always, to do
1: our playlists. We always used to – that was a big part of – because we could, we could play music, on, obviously, yeah. on the radio station. And yeah. it was one of the things that we were always – you and I were always sort of bringing new music to the table, which was fun. And I, I don't do that. So I I will take a listen to them because I, I miss that too. It's just in everything else that's coming at you, sometimes music is what gets lost. And for me, new music is usually what brings me some of my greatest joy. And it's really so it brings you, you joy. put it to the side. That's wonderful. Yeah.
0: And you know what's funny, Marjorie? I mean, it, to just kind of put a bow on that is what I've learned so much. I mean, we talk so much about, I think, what we learn about ourselves, but then what we learn from our children. And, you know, I've got baby Heathcliff and he is 16 months. Mm -hmm. And when I sit him, he's in the kitchen a lot when I'm cooking and like the other kids will be kind of like playing or watching a show after school or like something like that. And then I sit Heathie down and I kind of like feed him and give him snacks because like he has to have a snack at all times. And then I'm cooking (laughs) and then I kind of give him his second course, which is the main meal that everybody's having. It's a whole thing. But I turn music on in the kitchen when i'm cooking and as soon as i turn it on he beams and oh. he moves his body and oh. it is like it is this great reminder and this incredible reminder to me and i think that's what ha- what's happened because i've been cooking with him and then we turn on the music that there is deep within us there is an instinct to that we love music that it's meaningful for us that it speaks to us and that it causes an involuntary reaction, mm. which is movement. And right. I think when you're around a baby, you know, when you're around kids, you can always see this, but particularly a baby, because it's their instinct to do everything that is good for them. Right. And, it, you know, it's to connect with people, to consume food, to do all of these things and to, to hear music and to find joy is their instinct. He doesn't think about it. He does it. Right. Right. I love that. It's just, it's a really great reminder. Think about that the next time you know, you're like in the kitchen with Ian and you guys just turn on some tunes. I want you to think of little Heathie Boy and his just movement because I think it'll change the way you experience some music. Love that. Very good stuff. What a joyful episode of this podcast (laughs) if I do say so myself. Um, If you're enjoying this podcast please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a review at Apple Podcasts. You got one Marjorie? I do. This is from Donner7
1: and she wrote chatting with friends she said absolutely love this podcast every episode i'm either crying laughing vigorously nodding my head or yelling (laughs) yes or all of the above it is so validating to hear these women discuss their lives including the struggles and the triumphs it has also helped my personal development this year thank you i just love that that made me so happy when i read that so thank you very much donner seven find us on facebook and instagram at best of the nest we are the podcast that brings you home